From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And thank you, Shaggy. As always, episode 44 of Off the Record. Before we go on today, actually, I'd like to thank anyone that has um, given us positive luck from last week's podcast with uh, our country bonanza. We had Ags Connolly on, or I had Ags Ag Connolly on. Lovely old guy. Um, well, not that old. Not compared to me, anyway, or, or Pete, who's sitting looking at me at the moment. Um, yeah, and thanks for any um, good feedback that we got. So it's, it's really much, much appreciated. Let's hope this week uh, we'll entertain as many folk as, uh, as we head to the movies. I've got Pete with me. Uh, hi, Pete, from Edelsbright in the United Kingdom. Hi, mate. Oh, hi there, yes. Um, so he'll be sitting next to me in no doubt the premier seating of the uh, cinema or, or movie theatre, as they might call it in America. Um, so how's it hanging in, buddy? Uh, it's uh, it's very windy here, um, and that's being something of an understatement. Yes, I was thinking. If, it is windy. If the, roof, <laughs> if the roof comes off halfway through the podcast, there's a large crashing noise, and I suddenly disappear. You'll know what's happened. Yeah, it's pretty grisly. But apart from I'm, that, yeah, we're all good. Not saying it's windy here in Chelmsford, but the, the neighbour's wheelie bin across the road is going on a speed awareness course next week. So, uh... Now, interestingly, about four hours ago, there was a whole plethora of bins going down my road and I went and rescued half a dozen of them and shoved them in the church car park. <laughs> I had no idea where they came from. I was not helped by the fact that it was bin day today, so of course they're all empty. So <laughs> they, they, they are all empty, yeah. No, yeah, I emptied. Uh, well, I didn't. Well, I did. I filled, filled it up, and they emptied it. The recycling guys came and did it. Anyway, we're looking at uh, we're looking at movies. We're not talking about anything about football. That's, no. that's British football. football. I mean, football, we could talk about American football and the no, Super Bowl no, this week. But no, I'm not talking about just, that either. I might um, have to talk okay. about the half-time show, and that will go badly. So it's music, music from the movies. I mean, ostensibly, I guess we're talking movie themes. Uh, or at the very least, songs or, or pieces of music, I guess, that are associated primarily with a particular movie. At least that's how I've uh, gone about creating a list of my tops, top ones. Well, arguably top ones. Uh, as I said, normally they change the next day, don't they? Um, so, and not just, in other words, not just soundtrack songs, because, you know, like you can have a soundtrack from a movie and, Everything goes on a soundtrack that weren't necessarily featured prominently yeah, yeah. in the movie. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, for example, you're going to tell me you've got this in there. For example, uh, Unchained Melody from the Righteous Brothers, heavily, you think of the ghost film, don't you, when you think of that? And the I've never seen ghost Clay and so. stuff. Well, okay, well, there you wouldn't think of that then, but I'm sure other people really um, But I haven't included that. As great a song as it is, to be fair, <laughs> and a great vocalist. Not a great karaoke song, as no. many people have probably found out. Uh, disastrously <laughs> difficult to sing, um, but it's a good song. But we haven't included I've seen a pub in song. Enfield on a Friday night. Well, yeah, we won't go down that route no, uh, down the A10. Um, okay, so you've got a list of what 10 I have, I've got a little bit more. Yeah, I've time. got uh, I've got 10 and uh, two or three backups in case we chose the same one. There's, I guess there's a couple we might have chosen, but maybe not. Um, and I've largely gone for stuff either where I really like the song slash theme 
or I really like the film and the song slash theme is associated with the film. So that's Good. basically how I've done it. And um, it's pretty random and I haven't done it in order. I have mentioned before what I think is the best movie soundtrack ever. Um, and of course that's in there, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'll just throw that in at some point. So. Um, I was beginning to, when I was doing the preparation or research for tonight's uh, podcast, I did wonder if you would put whether yes had had some form of film, like oh a live man. concert yes. or something. Now, strangely, strangely, you've, 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 ruined, you've ruined the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> I've managed, I have managed to get yes into the film podcast. Yes, I have. Go on. So I'm, that, gonna save, that, I'm, I'm saving that for later. It's my all right, okay. PS2 resistance. Okay. Uh, you're, you're taking the PS2 resistance, I think, there, actually. Uh. <laughs> and, uh, it's one of those things where I didn't even realise that there was a connection. And then when I, when I looked at it and I thought, oh, I can't believe this, there's a yes connection, I was so happy. It literally made my day yesterday. Is that was it, the best uh, thing that happened Well, yesterday. you'll tell us at the end, but I'm thinking... Um, like yes songs or something like that, maybe. Is no, it, or? no, no, okay. no, oh, no, no, no. It's a, you it's can a surprise pucker, me. It's a pucker movie. No, deliberately fixing it. It just happened. Okay, all right, right. Well, if it isn't yes, your first one. Are you <laughs> going to give us your first one? No, are I'm just going to go. I'm not doing, this is no order. I'm just going to chuck them out there. Okay, just give us your first one then, and I'll do mine after. Am I going first? Okay. Yeah, go on then. All go right, Right, so my first one is the... Okay, well, let's see if you get it. Um, The film was released in December 1962. It had a $15 million budget, and it won Oscar for Best Picture, Best Music, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and three other Oscars for, you know, they have Oscars for Best Janitor who spins a plate, don't they? So, I mean, whatever. But it won three other Oscars, so seven Oscars in total. 62. Uh, off the top of my head, West Side Story? Off the top of your head, wrong. No. Well, Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, right, okay. Lawrence of Arabia. Theme music by Maurice Jarre. And it was his first Oscar. But he also wrote the music for Dr. Zhivago and is Paris Burning. So he it was his he did three. Um, all of I mean is Paris Burning was not a was not a big uh, was not a big hit, but no, obviously Dr. Zhivago was massive. Um, as was Lawrence of Arabia. And it's a sweeping, glorious piece of um, piece of music, which as soon as you hear it is instantly recognizable. And um, it's a really good film and uh, based on a true story, obviously, loosely. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my first choice, the theme from Lawrence of Arabia. It's just called the theme from Lawrence of Arabia. Then. I've, I've no idea what it's called. It's just if it, when, you, when you listen to, when you watch the movie, it's the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da in the background. It's perfect. It's a great piece of music. I know it well now. I think I'd remember, yes. I think I'd remember <laughs> Dr. Zhivago a little bit. No, I can't remember. Is that the one that goes, do, 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 do? That's not that one, is it? What's Dr. Zhivago? No, that you? sounds more like the Pig Panther. I can't no, know. that's not the Pig Panther. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. That's the Pig Panther. Uh, yeah, no idea. Anyway, oh, right. so, okay. anyway so there are no. It's a, terrific, it's a terrific piece of music. 
No lyrics? Uh, no, I don't think so, no. Okay, not, fair not, enough. Not the version I've got. I should say that one of, one of my favourite albums is a Music for Pleasure um, album, which was released in the late 60s, uh, called um, Big War Movie Themes or Great War Movie Themes or something. Oh, right. uh, and... Um, the um the, it's on there anyway it's a it's a great piece of music and i've always loved it so that is my first pick oh, is right. that your earliest one um uh yes just okay, i wonder whether i ought to go for one of my earliest ones i'll just do them randomly actually um okay i am going for a movie that was really well a song or a tune a theme from a movie. The movie came out in 73 um, or 74, one of those two. Um, And it was directed by George Roy Hill, who also directed Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, It featured the the same two actors that were in Butch Cassidy. Newman and Redford. Newman and Redford in 1973. And I'll, I'll give you a clue. The, uh, the film basically brought Scott Joplin's music, ragtime music, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. to a mass um, public. No. No. You got the, the, you got that right. The, uh, no. Uh, well, Think wait, of bees. Wait. Think of bees. What do they do? Or wasps. Uh. <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> Buzz. No, no, it's not Toy Story. Uh, yeah, I was just Sting. saying, is it Stinky Pete? It's the Sting. Yes, that was that was exactly what I was thinking for. Yes, yes. that was clear from well, what that, you were that saying. That was close to the Great Gatsby, Gatsby, wasn't it? Well, I mean, they all wore, you know, it was. That, that I suppose it was that sort of era. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was um, adapted um, by uh, Marvin Hamlish who was a great yeah, yeah. songwriter, yeah. as you probably well know. It was originally, it was Scott Joplin's uh, music from the very early 20th century. I mean, very, very early, like 1901, 1902 time, yeah. Um, first recorded actually by a blues, the Blues Boys in 1928. Uh, so the first recorded was by a blues and ragtime uh, musician uh, band. Um, it was a, unlike your Lawrence of Arabia. This was a bit of a hit. Um, it was number three in the US. Now the song, the tune I'm thinking about is the Entertainer, which is the main. That's the one. Yeah, but to be honest, a lot yeah. of Joplin's rags at rags. Well, a lot I was going right, to anyway. say, I mean, yeah, <laughs> so I don't believe I did that because that's basically every song he ever wrote. But. Yeah, number three in the US, number twenty-five in the UK. Uh, it was set, obviously, in the 1930s. Um, it was on the Recording Industry Association of America's Songs of the Century list at number 10. Oh, oh, so it didn't, make, didn't make it into Rolling Stone, then? It probably didn't make it into Rolling Stone's list, no. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll go by the Recording Industry Association of America's more than we would the Rolling Stone uh, idea. And Hamlish won Oscar for Best Original Song Score and Adaptation in 1974 for it. And I, I love it. It's one of those movies that was um, 
I think it was premiered on Christmas Day. It must have been 73 then. In the movies, anyway. Premiered Christmas Day, 73. I'm not sure when we saw it here on the TV. Remember, like, the BBC had a big, massive first time on terrestrial TV, a movie on Christmas night. Yeah. And The Sting was one of those. Great, I, It's I, a great I, film. I think I must have seen it, but I have absolutely no recollection of it whatsoever. What The Sting, but, really? You should look yeah. at it. I mean, I, 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 I will. I'll, uh, I'll do what I usually do after you suggest music I should listen to. I will go and do that very thing. But no, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I must have seen it. I must have seen it, but I, I, I don't have any memory of it. I noticed that photo you posted on Twitter of all your, your latest vinyl collection that you got from your from my dealer. dealer. From your <laughs> <Yes>. dealer. <laughs> um, <laughs> there wasn't any ELO one in there. I was a bit disappointed. No, no out of the blue. No ELO, electric light orchestra. No, that's because uh, I've, I've, that's on, I've, he's got a long mm. list of all the stuff I want, and he said when he finds it, he'll let me know. Okay. So all I've right. just given him. So the ones that were on, the ones that I spread out were the ones that I just got, which were from the latest collection. You're forgiven. You're forgiving. I've just played my way through them. I did uh, Welcome My Friend to the Show That Never Ends by Emerson Lake and Palmer, all three discs tonight. Marvellous. It was great fun. Well, let's reading not the book, digress and get onto prog rock. Let's no, do let's not. No, no, we'll do that later. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. You got another one for me. I have. Right. So, again, in no particular order, um, this is a 1964 release. Music by Ron Goodwin, who had a very successful career writing themes for movies of a particular type. And of the three that he wrote, any one of which I could have chosen, this is the one I have chosen. So it is the theme from 633 Squadron, which I've mentioned the war. I mentioned the war. Well, he also mentioned it once. I think we got away with it. I think we might have got away with it. Um, He also wrote the theme to Where Eagles Dare, and he also wrote the theme to The Battle of Britain. Um, so he's got chops in terms of uh, writing war movie themes. Uh, but 633 Squadron is one of those... It, it was released in 64, so how old was I then? I must have been... Was I seven? Which depends when it was released. Um, seven or eight. Um, and um, it, it was one of those... It was one of those tunes that was it used to get played on, you know, Junior Choice or whatever it was called on the Sundays. kids' thing Sunday on Saturday mornings. And um, when I was a kid, I had kind of all these Airfix models of planes, um, which were hanging off various pieces of string off the ceiling of my bedroom, largely due to my father's uh, um, patience, which obviously I didn't have at that age, and I still don't. Um, And I just remember lying in my bed as a little lad, looking at the planes and humming along to the tune 633 Squadron. So it's kind of always been, uh, it's always been a, you know, a kind of a, a memory of um, of kind of early childhood, but it's a re- it's a good so it's a good so it's about it's the, the the film's interesting. <laughs> it's it's a, it's based loosely. It's not a true story, but it's kind of based around an amalgamation of stories that they've kind of all bundled into one. Um, it's basically about a mosquito squadron in Norway, um, and um, it's a really it's a really great film because at the end of it they all die, um, but um, as tended to happen in wars. But uh, I don't, an interesting factoid, here we go. 
Um, the mosquito, this which, as a, you know, was, yes, was which was made out of wood, not an insect. Made no, wood, not right? an insect. Well, no, because this is part. Of, this is this is what I like about this. So, okay, so the the the, the mosquito, which was made out of wood, um, flew at three hundred and eighty miles an hour, which in the first world, which in the second world war, pre jets. Yeah. was pretty damn fast. Pretty in fact, so fast that it was 19 miles an hour faster than the Spitfire and a, a full 50 miles an hour faster than a hurricane, which just goes to prove that a mosquito is more powerful than a hurricane. And a hurricane, very good. Yeah, very <laughs> which, good. given the weather that we're currently having outside, is entirely appropriate in yes. the circumstances. Anyway, so there we go. 633 Squadron, the theme by Ron Goodwin. Is They're always very, very rousing, those war films. Yeah, the well, the I love themes them. For them. Yeah, I do love them. Oh, the one film I do love, uh, what I, I quite like 633 Squadron as well, to be fair, was The Dam Busters. Another good one. Yeah, Dam Busters is brilliant. That was a terrific I remember film. who wrote it. Um, who wrote The Dam Busters? It, but, uh, I could tell you, I could check next door. Is it Miklos Rosa? I can't remember now. No idea, but no, it doesn't matter now. But yeah, it's not on your list. That, that, no, I suppose it, well, it could have been. I, I could have chosen basically my entire war movie collection. Could have been all ten. I decided that would be boring, so I branched out after that. <laughs> well done, well done. Um, well, that is what was that in the fifties? No, sixty-four. It was sixty-four. You did say that. Or I should yeah. must pay attention. Must pay attention. Yeah. Um, okay. So six three three squadron. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving a bit more contemporary uh, to the 1990s, and a trilogy that is one of my favourite trilogies. Although I can't really call it a trilogy anymore because they made a fourth one, which is a bit upsetting. Because I like to call it a trilogy, um, and it was the mate. It was the theme obviously, for the film, uh, it became, uh, and it's Toy Story, the film's Toy Story, okay? So you mentioned Buzz earlier on. And Stinky Pete. Sorry? And Stinky Pete. And Stinky Pete is in Toy Story. Well, Toy Story 2. I think it was 2 he was in, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, you you get about, don't you? You get about. Um, I mean, I've done it all. But it's just a a great song. Randy Newman, You've Got a Friend in Me. I mean, it was obviously majorly featured in the first film, um, establishing the relationship between Woody and Andy, yeah. uh, the little boy. Um, but it also became a major musical component of Toy Story 2, 3, and 4. Um, it had... Um, uh, it even had a Spanish language version in Toy Story 3, which was quite amusing. Some uh, played by the Gypsy Kings, some by the Gypsy Kings. I, think um, I've seen, I don't think I've seen Toy Story 3 and 4. I've definitely seen 1 and 2, and I really one enjoyed them. Good films. Well, you only, yeah, once no, Stinky I mean, Pete yeah, wasn't really in it anymore, you lost no, interest no, after Stinky yeah, Pete no, disappeared. <laughs> I'm sure he was in 2. He was in 2. He was no, in 2, no, yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember this because I, I went on a date night with my ex-wife, and I said, we're going to the cinema. And she said, what are we going to see in Toy Story 2? But we quite enjoyed it. Anyway, so that just... It's a, it's a great it's a great film. Yeah, it's just, um, it got a, a... It was nominated for an Academy Award uh, and also 
a Golden Globe Award nomination for Best Original Song. Okay. Uh, it lost out on both occasions, though, to Catherine Coon, no, sorry, Judy Coon, um, Colours of the Wind from Pocahontas. Which I, I would prefer seen. Randy Newman. Randy Newman's a great songwriter anyway. Yeah, he's a brilliant songwriter. And he spends most of his time doing TV themes or movie themes now, doesn't he? Um, don't know what else to say. There was an instrumental version of it in Toy Story 2, which you might remember. Yeah, it's a good song. Whenever you think of Toy Story, I think of You've Got a Friend in Me anyway, from Randy Newman. So that's me. Cool. What have you got for well, your next one? What? But my number three, I've, I've literally just written two lines for this one. Um, okay. So I thought we could have a discussion. So this, largely because I, this was the one I didn't do the research for because I threw it in and thought, I've got to have that. Um, so this is a, it was a trilogy that came became a quadrology and then became a quintology. Um, and it, I think... I think it's kind of the first one was late 90s or early noughties and then it kind of bled into the middle of the last decade of the, the decade that we've just had. Um, and it is the, um, it's the Bourne movies. Oh. And the music associated with it is Extreme Ways by Moby. Moby, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely brilliant song and you you know that you're watching a ball movie when it gets to the climax and then you get that Wee! that is the beginning of the song and then it goes into the song and i just think it's a really really good piece of pop music it's not the sort of stuff i would normally buy but it's on one of my playlists and when it comes on i think it's got a real association i love the ball movies i think all five of them are fantastic they're pretty well faultless as action adventure movies um, and it, it, it's one of those ones where I've seen them so many times now that you start remembering big slugs of dialogue. And the one that particularly ties into the to the Moby track is at the end of is it the Bourne Supremacy, which I think is the second one. Um, mm, and on this um, track, yeah, with me too. It was the Bourne Identity was the first one. I think Supremacy was the second one. Anyway, yeah. um, but at the end of it, um, he's um, he's talking on the phone to. Uh, He's talking on the phone to Pam um, in her office in the CIA. And, and she goes, tired. you look You're tired, tired. Pam. Yeah. And she looks around and realises he's watching that. And then you get that, and in comes the Moby track. And it's yeah. just so well done. And it's a really good intro then to whatever's going to happen in number three. So, um, yeah, and it, 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 as I say, not the sort of music I'd usually listen to, but it's, it's got a really nice groove to it as a piece of music um, and it just fits with the it just fits into that whole series of films beautifully so yeah not much else to say about it except i just really like it and it's forever associated with the Bourne movies was it was it actually written for the Bourne movies do you know or was it a song uh, that you had no i i've got no idea i've got no, no. idea when i looked it up on spotify um it didn't say the Bourne movie it just said extreme ways so i'm assuming that it was written as a song, which they then Used. took in much the same way that School of Rock took um, Immigrant Song and, uh, you know, things. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. If, if it's remembered, because if, if that's what you remember from that 
song. Yeah, well, so that's um, you know that's absolutely. I, I I know the song because of the film, not the film because of the song. Right so. Around, yeah, okay. So that was that was why I included it. So In, good choice, good choice. Right, and another instrumental piece. Have you got any any songs with lyrics coming up later? Uh, Extreme Ways has got um, lyrics. Has it got some in it? Yeah, it's, oh, it's got serious lyrics. Oh, um, okay. Fair hang on, right. let me just uh, let me just check this here. I bow, um, I bow down to your superior. Hang on, that one's got lyrics. Um, well, I know six three three squadron doesn't. No, I've basically got one song with lyrics out of the ten, <laughs> and that just, is it. <laughs> uh, no, sorry, I've got one other. So yeah, no, sorry, I've got two out of ten. One more to go. Okay. The rest are all the rest are all music. I think most of mine have got lyrics. Yeah. Um, on to my next one, 1968. Okay. Um, it was um, as it was released as a single as well uh, in April '68. Uh, now the writer of this song um, pitched it to the director um, of the film that it came from, Mike Nichols, uh, after he'd rejected two of his other songs. One was called Punky's Dilemma, and the other was called Overs. Um, Punky's Dilemma's Dilemma Paul Simon. It is indeed, as right. is this one. So the ah, film is graduate. The graduate. Right. Ah, the good graduate. one. Good shout. Okay, Good graduate. Shit. So, yes. um, yeah, they t- he turned those two down. Um, so he went off and um, he'd, he already had a song that he was working on called Mrs. Roosevelt, apparently. Okay. Um, and he, he then proposed that song. So he changed it around, obviously, because he heard that it was going to be about Mrs. Robinson in the film The Graduate. Uh, right. He changed it around. Obviously, it, it fitted in quite nicely. It, it scanned did. quite well. It did. And yeah. so the director, Mike Nichols, you had a song called Mrs. Robinson all this time, and you didn't give me that one. Um, but obviously, it was actually called Mrs. Roosevelt before. Um, but it was it was a big hit. I mean, it was eventually on their fourth album, Bookends. That's Simon and Garfunkel's album, of course. Um, although only a couple of snippets feature in the movie, it, it's, I think... For me, anyway, it's just always remembered as being from the graduate. Oh, I mean, it, it's it, on it, on the greatest hits album. It's Mrs. Robinson says the from the graduate. The theme from the graduate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, there you go. It was it was a number one in the US and a number four in the UK. So a, a big old hit for. Big old hit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bit of a Dustin Hoffman's brilliant in that. Well, so's so Anne Bancroft. It's a great yeah, film. Yeah. Anne Bancroft, she's no longer with us, is she? Well, she was Mel Brooks's wife, wasn't she? Is she no longer with us? I don't think she's with us anymore, no. She played, um, she played Mary Magdala in um, Jesus of Nazareth as well, didn't she, the Robert, um, the, the one on ITV back in the day? Could be. She could was, be. No, I'm sure she's, I'm sure she's, she's a brilliant, brilliant actress. But she was, yeah. I, I'm sure she's not around anymore, sadly. Um, bit of a tribute to the Beatles' I'm the Walrus in the lyrics with the uh, cuckoo cachoo, apparently. You managed to get the Beatles in. I'm impressed. Well done. Um, although, of course, uh, it was actually goo-goo-ga-joob because obviously yes. walruses don't say cuckoo cachoo, do they? Well, they, they, I, I speak fluent walrus and it's <laughs> goo <goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo-goo
I do, yeah. Uh, two Grammy Awards it got in 69. And the first song to win record of the year, I read. Anyway, Mrs. Robinson, Simon and Garfunkel. Sorry, the first song to win record of the year. Yeah, and that's what I've read. On what, on what basis? Maybe it was at the Grammys. Oh, you... Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, maybe okay. they had a record of the year at the Grammy Awards in '69. Um, well, yeah. So there we go. So I'm going to go, Uncle. All right. Well, we'll do, let's uh, let's see if you get this one. So um, my I'm next one. No is, lyrics. No, is it, I, I told you I don't. I, I much no, prefer. No, you don't do lyrics. I, I don't do lyrics. Well, I do sometimes. So this is a 1968 movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. It had a $10.5 million budget, but it did $146 million at the box office. So by any stretch of the imagination, it was monumentally profitable. And it is a film where the theme tune is absolutely and inexorably tied to the film and if anybody hears the music they will go ah that is one of sticky pete's favorites (laughs) 2001 a space odyssey okay yes stanley kubrick one of the many great stanley kubrick movies yeah didn't Um, david bowie go on to cover it as well space odyssey uh that was space odyssey you get off I'll, I'll get me coat. I'll get me coat. <laughs> yeah, get your coat, get your hat, and get your Wellington boots. Uh, yeah. Right. So, what was the uh, what was the name of the song then, Smartass? <laughs> um, it was. Um, was it? Was it the song that someone did in the seventies, Diodato? Oh uh, no, dear Darcy. A Latin oh, name. Um something um, also sprach. No, it's German. German. Also sprach something, maybe? Zarathustra. Yeah. Also sprach Zarathustra. Oh god, I got two thirds of it. That's not you that's did, you did well. I'm impressed. Now And I didn't do German at O level, I took Latin instead. Well, I did Latin, but I did German in sixth form for one grisly, horrible, horrific <laughs> term with Mr. Clayton before I thought this was a stupid idea and did art instead. Anyway, it's oh. another story. Um, so written by Richard Strauss, not to be confused with Johann the Waltz King um, because he's got nothing to do with him. Um, really? Not a brother yes. or anything? No, and uh, quite significantly later. Yes, um, I can imagine. But anyway, he is referred to, and I've got a couple of quotes here, he's referred to as the successor to Wagner and to Liszt. Um, And he was, interestingly, why this interested me, he was the first president of the Reichsmusikkammer on the 15th of June, 1933. Um, So he was the guy who had a difficult time because he was associated with Nazi Germany, etc., um, but he was exonerated in the denazification trials as, quote, unquote, innocent of ties to the Nazi state. And his quote shortly thereafter was, they can all turn their backs on me. I just sit here in Gamish, which is part of Munich, and compose. 
everything else is irrelevant. So he was very much a music guy. And it was that wonderful piece, Alzo's Brack Zarathustra, yep. which Mr. Kubrick chose as the theme to 2001. And when you watch 2001, the two things are indelibly linked together. Absolutely. You can't think of 2001 without that piece of music. Who is um, who? Who are the actors in that movie? I get confused between that and close encounters. I did look this up, and I can't remember. I didn't remember. Okay, it was it was presumably someone famous. Uh, Actually, it wasn't. I mean, I mean, depends on your definition of famous, but you know, not um, not uh, not uber super famous. You you can look it up. I'm sure you're doing this even as we speak. I am indeed. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, not not sort of celebrity Big Brother sort of fame, you know, but I mean. No, 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 not that kind of fame. Not, you know, Nadine Dorries eating um, the rear end of a whatever it was she ate in the celebrity jungle. But uh, Yeah, I must have cast on here. Yeah, uh, I, I looked at the cast. I just thought I don't know who any of these people are. Oh, well, fair enough then, if you don't know any of them. Well, I only have a touching acquaintance with um, celebrity, don't I? So it may well be that they're very famous. Therefore, what else would go, you idiot? Of course they're famous, but... Um, no idea. I was looking at a few. I'll tell you one name that I do recognise. Who played Doctor Andrei Smishlov? Okay. Leonard Rossiter. <laughs> what? Oh, I recognise <laughs> Rising Damp. As in Rising Damp, he was. Uh, yeah, he, uh, whether Somewhere. American listeners would know much about Leonard Rossiter. Uh, no. The Reggie Perrin, he was as well on BBC. Was, was, uh, Robert Beatty. Robert Beatty. Never heard of him. Yeah, I know Robert Beatty. Or well, not personally, you understand. Uh, and all the other names. No, I don't know. William Sylvester. didn't leak out at me, leak out at me. You are. No, Gary Lockwood, William Sylvester. That rings a bell. Yeah. No idea. No, Absolutely no, I, no idea. They spent most okay. of the time wearing helmets, didn't they? So, I mean, it was irrelevant. Truly. Really. It's, a, it's a good song. Good. Apes, but it is, good. It's, a, it's a great thing. Good tune. Good tune. Um, okay, next for me. What, what year was yours again, that one? Uh, 68. Okay, let's leap forward a year. Okay. To, um, I mentioned 69. it in passing when I was talking about Sting earlier on, featuring Robert Redford and um, Paul Newman. I know what this is. You know what this is. Okay, well, it's um, the song. The, the movie's... Um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And of course, the song is that I remember it for. Whenever I hear the song, I think of Butch Cassidy. I think of Paul Newman riding the bike. Yeah, with Should I say Butch Cassidy? With Catherine Ross as well on on the back, isn't it? Who was beautiful in that film? Well, she was beautiful, period. But in that film, she was absolutely beautiful. In fact, it was the reason I watched the film several times as a teenager. It was nothing to do with the film. I I don't doubt that. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Anyway, is the song? Yeah. Um, uh, Bert Bacharach, Hal David's song. Yeah. Um, written especially for the film. Uh, it was released as a single in October '69. Didn't do massively well initially, but eventually became number one in the US. In fact, it was the first number one US single of the 1970s. Was it? Only got to number 38 in the UK. And it was by, I didn't say who it was by, it was by BJ Thomas. Billy Joe's giving him his full name. Billy, BJ Thomas, yeah. 
probably the most well-known of his songs, although I think he did a couple of others, Hooked on a Feeling, for, for example, comes, oh, comes yeah, to mind. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and by, uh, so it's the first number one of the 70s in America, and it sold, it sold about 2 million by uh, mid-March. Um, it won the Best Original Song Oscar, and Bacharach won the Best Original Score. It was recorded in seven takes, allegedly, uh, with Bacharach dissatisfied with the first six. <clears throat> Obviously got it right, lucky seven. Um, Ray Stevens, it was offered to at first, but he turned it down. Hang on, Ray Stevens. Now, is he the bloke who did the... What was, the, what was that song he did? Well, he did a few, but he had a number one here with The Streak. The Streak, that was it, yeah, yeah. A sort of a comedy song, wasn't it? Yeah. He was a bit of a comedy country did singer. He do, um, did he do Bridget the Midget, the Queen of the Blues? He did, as well? he did. Yeah, yeah he did. that was the one I remember. And there's probably a couple of other things he did as well. Off, yeah. off the top of my head, I can't They weren't exactly they were. musical classics, were they? Mm, but possibly not. Possibly not. Um, An interesting fact uh, about Raindrops You Fall on the Head is that the guy playing the ukulele uh, is quite featured in the song. Uh, There's a guy called Bill Bill Pittman, uh, turned 102 years old just last week. Wow. So happy birthday to him. Happy happy birthday, birthday, Bill. That is some innings. Many happy returns. Well, hopefully there'll be many, but, you know, at that age... You're never sure. <laughs> At um, Billboard's Hot 100 Singles of All Time, it, it's in at number 85. So it's raindrops. On Rolling Stone, it would be 3,428,976, wouldn't it? 97. 97. Mm, it's close. Yeah, okay. So BJ Thomas, raindrops keep falling on my head. Here's my Good next one. one. What have you got next? Okay, well, I'm going to see if you can get this one then. This is leaping forward 10 years to 1978. This is a $3.5 million budget, which generated an absolutely enormous $237.1 million at the box office. One of the most successful of all time. 1978. Yeah. I think of a couple of big movies around that time. Um, okay. Is it another space one? No. Okay. It's not Close Encounters then? No. That's a good theme, isn't it? No, goodness, not, not a bad shout. Uh, I'm uh, 78. I'm... No, okay. I'll give you one more clue. The soundtrack album is one of the best selling soundtrack albums of all time. And the star. It's Saturday the Night star, Fever. Eh? Saturday Night Fever? Saturday Night Fever. All right. I'm yes. just trying to think of what you said. I oh, was just another one with lyrics in. Yeah, this is the other one with lyrics. Ah, you see, I, I, was, I was thinking, there's nothing in that without this is the other lyrics. One, this is the other it one with lyrics. No, it's the okay. other one, the lyrics. Okay, so it is Saturday Night, F- Night Fever. Night Fever. Oh, Beaches, which yeah. is the song that is playing as John Travolta is walking down the road with his can of paint, doing the whole John Travolta thing. Um, and um, and, it, and the film's based on a, was based on a, a series of articles about 
you know, Saturday night culture and life. Um, but that, I mean, <laughs> Mark is going to hate us for this, isn't he? You know, I don't do disco. Um, yeah. But yeah, but basically, it is an entire album packed with classics from the age of disco. I mean, you've got the you've got the BGS, so you've got Night Fever, Staying Alive, um, and whatever the other one is. Uh, you know what? All Gone the Gone was, yeah, yeah, even elements of that. She does more. How than deep is your love? Is it on there? How deep is your love? Yeah, that's the other one. But then you've also got Night on Bear Mountain or Night on Disco Mountain. You've got the absolute ten-minute classic Disco Inferno by Tramps. So I mean, the whole album is just packed with yeah. terrific music of its of its genre. And I mean, that film that what I saw it in just in the run-up to doing my finals at uni and the um the queue to get in in the in the um the cinema in Hull was down past the station halfway around the town square it's just like that everybody went and I don't know how many times they played it on the first few nights but it must have been played three or four times it was rammed every time it was just one of those films where it actually Star Wars the night that was the year before, and that was exactly the same. But there was even more people for Saturday Night Fever. It was absolutely manic. And what no, I, I mean, I've, I've read quite a lot it. about it. I never went to see it when it came out. Funnily enough, it was. So, don't blame me I mean, for in that, in that line at the at the cinema. No, well, I've got um, I've got it on DVD, and I saw it on the stage as well in um, London, which was a few years ago with a couple of my kids. That was a brilliant night out. Um, but I mean, it's just they're just good songs, aren't I mean, the BGS, whether you love them or hate them. I mean, they knew how to write a tune. Um, oh, and Robert, Robert Stigwood production. Um, but it, I mean, it had a massive impact on late 70s popular culture. I mean, it was just you know, everybody wanted to be John Travolta, everybody wanted to dance like him and you know, Lynn Ann Gourney. Um, and interestingly, here's a fact for you um, Travolta was the fifth youngest nominee. For best actor in history for oh, that really? film, he was. You're going to tell me. I have no idea who the other four. I have no <laughs> idea who the other four. Um, <laughs> but he was. But he was the. He was the fifth youngest. Uh, presumably, Shirley Temple must have been offered. Uh, must have been uh, nominated for one because she'd done about a million fil- t- films by the time she was twelve, hadn't she? Uh, uh, this, is, oh, this is for an Oscar, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Best, well, best well, actor. I presume Judy Garland might be up there as well. Uh, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so it is up there. Elizabeth with the best Taylor, maybe. Elizabeth Taylor. Anyway, um, okay. No, I didn't um, go and see it. Funnily enough, I, oddly, I didn't go and see. I was a bit of a rebel in those days. Well, I didn't. Star Wars is another one. I didn't really go and see. Like everyone went to see it, and I sort of steered away from it. And Night Fever, the the Bee Gees have blown hot and cold. Have been hot and cold for me over the years. I liked them in the uh, late, well, looking back, the late 60s, and I liked them so in the, the Massachusetts, early 70s. Massachusetts. Yeah, the, what, the, the, the sort of ballady yeah, songwriters yeah. they did, Run To Me is one of my favourites. Didn't they do uh, mining, the Mining Disaster thing? New York well. Mining well, Disaster, 1941. Yeah, that catchy song title. Oh, yeah, that was their debut hit over here, Massachusetts, yeah. Um, and, and then they went disco, and then I, because I was so much into punk, uh, and I was listening to the, the Mighty Quo, of course. Had to get them mentioned as well. 
Um, I was listening to the Mighty Yes and the Mighty Genesis, and that wasn't. Yeah, but you still went to see. You still went to see. Well, I I went to see it because literally everybody went. It was just our entire. You know, everybody I knew, all the people I live with in our student houses in our little area, were always right. There's this new film. Everybody's raving about it. Got to go and watch it. it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a great film. So even if you take the music out, just the story and the whole Italian American trying to one up on everybody else, the whole evening culture thing. It's just a great. It's almost. It's a brilliant social commentary as much as anything else. It just so happens to have a brilliant soundtrack. Okay. Well, I, moving on smoothly, segueing into my next one. <laughs> on a less serious note, maybe, than Night Fever, I liked the next John Travolta film, which I thought was from 78 as well. Is it? Uh, was it 1980? Grease. Yeah. Was that 1978? No, no, 78, yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think maybe Saturday Night Fever came out. Well, yeah, maybe Saturday Night Fever was in sort of late 77 or something. And well, Saturday Night Fever might have been released in the States in late 77. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it might have been early 78 here. But I mean, mid, maybe summertime, the the Grease film came out. And that one I did go and see. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. I went to see it. It was so tongue-in-cheek, the whole film. Um, And I am picking a song from Grease. Uh, not the theme tune, actually. Not Grease is the word. Which not Grease is the word. Very, very what, disco. Which is very, very disco, and of course written by the Bee Gees, in fact. Indeed. Uh, I thought you might have gone for Grease. I thought you might have gone for Grease. By, uh, I, I enjoyed Valley. it. I've seen it once. I might have seen it twice. I kind of quite enjoyed it, but that was it. I never wouldn't watch it again. Oh, no, I, I found it hilarious. Just the, the way that the, the actors are probably playing parts about 20 years younger than uh you know than they are um it was a song and it's summer nights i'm going for it's so grease like everything about it it's written by a couple of guys jim jacobs and warren casey it was the fourth single from the film on the soundtrack first being grease which we've mentioned frankie valley uh the second was uh, also by John Travolta and Living Newton John, which this one is by, which was, of course, You're the One That I Want, which I never understood what they were singing at the time. No, I mean, basically, it just all ran together, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it did. I, I didn't work it out until well after the event. And then three was Hopelessly Devoted to You, Living Newton John. And then, of course, there were a couple afters as well, Sandy, John Travolta, and uh, The Grease Lightning by John Travolta as well. Yeah, that was it terrible. Was a number five hit in the US, but in the UK, Summer Nights was a huge hit. Well, as was You're the One That I Want. Yeah, that was probably there for a similar number of weeks. Well, wasn't that because one. Olivia Newton John was really popular because she'd done that show with Cliff Richard? So she was very much in the British consciousness, wasn't she? She was very much a sweetheart of uh, in, in the UK. She certainly, was, that- she certainly was a sweetheart, that's for sure. Well, I mean, she was on most teenage boys' walls, wasn't she? Er and Linda Ronstadt. I mean, they were fighting for position, really. Linda Ronstadt as well, yeah. But ONJ was, uh, I'm sure I told you this, must have told everyone it so many times, almost like family to me. (laughs) My my dad's old headmaster at Cambridge School was Olivia Newton-John's dad. 
and Living Newton John's dad. Oh well, in that case, she was before family. they went to uh, before they emigrated to Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and well, also, I found out his dad, her dad, sorry, was I forget his name, other than the fact it was probably Newton John. Um, <laughs> uh, but he might not have been. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But he was um, quite a war hero. Um, and he was involved in the uh, catching of uh, Rudolf Hess, I think. Really? Yes. Wow. So that's my link to Olivia and John out of the way. Um, but of course, yeah, number one in the UK, seven weeks. Do you remember at the end of the seven weeks? Don't you remember whether you were watching Top of the Pops in those days? I was. Yes, weren't often on it. I no, guess. Never. <laughs> no, they, they were Be never on it. But no, the Boomtown Rats. At the end of that seven-week run, the Boontown Rats, who themselves had their first number one and the first ever new wave number one with the Rat Trap. Rat Trap. They started the show with magazine pictures of John Travolta and Newton John, and they were ripping up the uh, the magazine and throwing them away before they then sang yeah, very, Rat Trap. Very yeah, and of course, as a, a West Wing fan, as I know, yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, it was the beginning the, of the career of Rizzo. Or Rizzo was Rizzo, the beginning. Stockard yeah. Channing. Um, and as, as we actress. both know, West Wing Absolutely is brilliant. the top ever the show. best show in history. Nothing else, is, nothing else is close. It really winds me up when people go on about the bloody Sopranos and wiring is also the blood good. And all of this. The Sopranos, it's all right, but basically it's a mafia story. Boring, which has been done a million times before. West Wing is just fantastic. And she's integral to that she's brilliant in that and she's Jed Bartlett's wife. Jed Bartlett's uh, wife I can't remember she's her fantastic. character's name what was her name in the film do you remember uh, Dr Bartlett <laughs> Dr Bartlett yeah well done <laughs> alright um, she, she has a line in Summer Nights or spoken at least when she says because he sounds like a drag she does oh, Channing Rizzo mm-hmm. um, and I think the tongue in cheekness if there's such a word the, the background lyrics of the song um, refer to three other songs. The Do Ron Ron is one of them by the Crystals. Uh, Breaking Up is Hard to Do with the um, Doobie Doo, that bit. And Papa yeah. Oom Mau Mau by the Rivingtons as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that was quite amusing. But I, ju- I just love the film. And that, that sort of, and the whole, that song in particular, when you've got the sort of um, different ways that the two main characters are remembering their summer little fling. Yeah. Danny Zuko, is it Danny Zuko? Yeah, I Danny think it Zuko. is. Yeah. yeah, he's like a re- re- recollecting, um, um, you know, she she got friendly. No, he, she's singing, he got friendly holding my hand. And the next one he says, she got friendly down in the sand. You know, he sort of yeah. turned yeah. it around completely. Um, uh, he said he saved her life. She nearly drowned. She comes up with, he showed off splashing around, yeah? Which one do we believe? Which one do we believe? Well, I think um, I probably believe Olivia because obviously and he's Yeah, and he's saying, finally, then he's saying, we made out under the dock, and she said, we stayed up till 10 o'clock. I love that song. Love it's, a, it's a good song, and it's a good film, as I say. I mean, I have, maybe I've seen it two or three times. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, and I did see it in the cinema when it came out, but um, it was... Uh, yeah, this is a good soundtrack. Sing along. If you hear that yeah, on the radio, no, you better be singing along. Yeah. Anyway, Summer Nights, that's my next one. What have you got now? Okay, well, so 
Um, I've mentioned this film before in the context of something else. So this is a 1976, okay, uh, directed by Nicholas Rogue, the UK's finest director, not least of which because he um, directed Don't Look Now, which has been voted on many occasions as the best film in UK cinema history and is my favourite film. But that is not the film to which I refer. Um, so that's it is 1976. With, uh, Julie Christie and Don't Look Now. Julie Christie and uh, that's they're, they're in. They're the ones in Don't Look Now. Yeah. It's a, have you have you seen that? And Jack Bauer's dad. Um, yeah, Jack Bauer's dad. Donald Sutherland. Yeah, yeah Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. That's the one. Yeah. It's a, it's just an absolutely awe-inspiringly brilliant piece of cinema. Anyway, that's not what we're that's talking not about. The film. No. The film is the man who fell to earth. Okay. Starring Mr. Bowie. Mr. Bowie. Candy Clark and the gloriously named Rip Torn, which oh, no, is yeah, Rip Torn. I mean, just, I mean, that's just one of the great names in, in all of history, never mind uh, cinema. But the song that The Man Who Fell to Earth is best known for is a song called Wind Words. And it is by Stomu Yamashita, who is a Japanese percussionist. And it is from his 1973 album called Freedom is Frightening, which I own. And I bought it when it came out in 1973 or maybe 1974. Um, and when I went to see the film with my friend Graham, who I've told you about before, who went through all the phases of Bowie. Um, oh, yeah. So we went to see, when we went, we went to see the film together and um, with a few other lads from university. Mm-hmm. And when Wind Words came on for the first time, and it's in the film several times, because it's kind of the theme for when Bowie is looking back at his home planet and its lack of water and his family dying on the planet and he's trapped on Earth. Um and it, it kind of it's, it's kind of a repetitive theme through the thing. And I thought, I know this. It's Wind Words by Stomach and Master. I have this album. And I own the album because one of our old school chums, who you may remember, uh, Martin Neal, who was in my year and who was a multi-percussionist, brilliant musician, um, and interestingly now owns a world music record label, and hacks around the world listening to African drummers playing things somewhere out in the middle of Mali and uh, comes back and puts it on record. Anyway, I digress. Um, he was an absolutely brilliant drummer, and he said, best drummer in the world, you need to listen to Stomach Your Master. So I did, and I bought the album, and then it turned up on the Man Who Fell to Earth, so it had to be there. Happy days. Happy days. Happy days. Wind words. So when we do Obviously a drummer, instrumentalist podcast he might be up there well i'm not sure he'd be on wyatt's list but i, mean, I could ask him i suspect he yeah. might have some more obvious ones but that will know. right okay um let's move on my one my next one i'm going back to talk briefly about this one 1961 believe it or not oh classic film classic film henry mancini theme okay <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, lyrics by Johnny Mercer. 
Right, so Henry, Henry Mancini, that's not the guy that managed Manchester City. And, no. um, and um, Johnny Mercer's not the MP for Plymouth. Correct. Right, okay. Good. If, was, if that helps in any way, I'm not sure. No, I'm not, not sure really. it does. It, it might kind of get it clear in my mind. Academy Award for Best Original Song. Uh, and it won two Grammys in 1962 for the uh, record and song of the year. It was Henry Mancini's theme, uh, which was actually, well, actually, Henry Mancini, the, the version I'm thinking of, I'll tell you the film, shall I? Shall I? I'm struggling here. 1961, I mean, I was only four. So okay, I'll tell I'm you the, the song, the song was actually a, a minor hit in the, the UK as, as the theme, Henry Mancini's theme, orchestral piece. Number 44, it got to the UK, number 11 in the US, but I'm remembering it from the actress singing the song in the film. I'll tell you, I don't know if this will help either. Danny Williams had a UK number one hit in the final week of 1961 with exactly the same song. That's Danny Williams, not Bookham Dano from Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it, it became Andy Williams, and not Danny, but Andy Williams' theme song. But we want to hold that against it. <laughs> The film, I'm going to tell you, because you're struggling, struggling here. Yeah. The film is Breakfast at Tiffany's. Ah, okay. And, it, and, it's, and it's Audrey Hepburn. Right. And it's Moon right. River. Right. Okay. okay. It, it's so sort of softly yeah. sung by Audrey yeah. Hepburn, who's obviously not a great vocalist. I think she did actually sing on this one, because she didn't sing on some of the other films I think she was in. Like My Fair Lady, she was in that, wasn't she? I don't think she sung that. But she did sing Moon River. And it's, right. just, a, it's just a magical song. It's a, it's Breakfast at Tiffany's is a good film. Good film I, I, and a good song, which is what we're looking at, songs. It is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're obviously looking at both, clearly. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, I've got another one for me then. <laughs> um, I have. So obviously, continuing with my... <laughs> my penchant for things with no lyrics. Um, You've really gone for okay. themes, haven't you? You've really gone I, for well, themes. Because, yeah. because I always associate themes with movies. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Anyway, um, actually, I've just realised that actually one of my other songs, one of my other ones might have lyrics, which is going to distress me. I think it has. So I've got three out of seven. I've let myself down. Anyway, um, yeah, so this one is one of the great of its genre it is one of the great movies of all time um it's a 1971 gem now interestingly when i was doing my research about this because we've had the debate about 1971 being the great year for music and you know the whole david hepworth book about it and what's interesting to me is that when i started doing this and i look back at the films you know what? 1971 was an absolutely bloody brilliant year for film as well. Clockwork Orange, Walkabout, Get Carter, French Connection, Shaft, Last Picture Show, Straw Dogs, all 1971, all absolute classics. So Probably a lot of an X certificate as well. Oh, I mean, most of my collection of films that I've that I own on DVD 
are what you would call tough watches. I'm not, yeah. I, I don't, I, most of the films I love, I don't watch for entertainment. I watch to go, oh, anyway, um, Straw Dogs and Clockwork Orange being very high up amongst those on that list. Mm. Um, anyway, so the film is Do You Feel Lucky, Punk? Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry, yeah. Was that 71? Yeah. Timey. I, I, I would have thought that was in like late 60s, but yeah. I, I, I will, 19, I will, 19, 1971, Dirty Harry. I absolutely love that there's five Dirty Harry films. The last one is nowhere near as good as the first four, but the first four are brilliant. But Dirty Harry's in a class of its own. It's just, it's right up there amongst, well, of its sort, maybe even the best film ever made, but it's certainly up there at the top. And um, the theme is by Lalo Schifrin, Boris Claudio Schifrin, to be precise, who was an Argentine pianist, arranger, conductor and composer. He was a very, very clever guy. He also did the theme to uh, Mission Impossible. Okay. And Enter the Dragon, another great movie. Did you see Into the Dragon, Bruce Lee? No, I didn't. I didn't see okay. Into the Dragon. Right. Well, that, that that's also Lalo Schifrin. But I mean, he he does the he does the theme for I think all of the Dirty Harry movies. Um, but in what I love about the in Dirty Harry, if you listen to it, it's got a really prominent drum sound to it, and it kind of it sounds like he's knocking the sticks on the snare and the hi hat. Um, and it's a really atmospheric. The interesting thing about the film is that you, whenever there's a musical bit, it's always this. Lala, it's always Lalo Schifrin. Um, this is not one of these ones where there's loads of other, you know, music in the soundtrack. It's basically Lalo Schifrin. Um, but it's a really, really atmospheric piece of music. And if you if you've seen the film, you'll know it's got one of the really. Um, eye-catching opening sequences where the girl is, she dives into the pool and then she gets shot by the sniper off the top of the building and you see her spread eagle in the pool and all the blood go over the pool. But it's the way that there's this innocence of the swim and then this immensely violent act and in the background you've got this kind of just this hi-hat and drum kind of sound and it's really spooky and it just fits the film brilliantly well. So... um and I absolutely love it. I mean, I, I, I dread to think how many times I've seen Dirty Harry. I've seen all of them. But I must have seen Dirty Harry, I don't know, 20, 30 times probably. Um, I absolutely love it. It's a great film. So, yeah, there we go. Lalo Schifrin. Talking of spaghetti Harry. westerns, I was thinking, uh, it just made me think of one maybe I could have put in there, which was, of course, Enrio Morricone. Yes, um, the, bad, the Bad and the Ugly. A great track. Definitely memorable from that from that film. Yeah. Um, Right, okay. Are you feeling lucky, punk? Are you feeling that lucky? That might punk? lead me in forty-five the Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world. Right. And it you're thinking me, maybe it leads me into this one of mine. I'll throw this in now because it sort of links into it very vaguely. Okay. Um, it was written for the soundtrack of the movie released in June nineteen eighty-five. Um, it became a number one in the US, 
the band's first US number one, in fact. Uh, and it made the top 10 in UK eventually. When it first came out in 85, it, it virtually made the top 10. And then it was, re- it was reissued again when the movie came out in the UK in 86. And it got into the top 10. Um, the writer of the song also appeared in the movie very briefly in a cameo. The name of the song is The Power of Love. And the film? And no, it's not The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush, and it's not The Power of Love by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Or Huey Lewis of the News. It's Huey Lewis in the News. That is who it is. And Huey Lewis Lewis appeared a cameo in the film. Right. I'm sorry, you just chewed on loud. In. Um, you never seen Back to the Future? Okay, right. So this is one of these debates. No, I've never seen Back to the Future. I've never seen any of the Back to the Future films. And everybody goes, how can you not have seen Back to the Future? And they go, well, the same reason I haven't seen The Shawshank Redemption. I just never did. And there was nothing about it made me go, well, I've got to watch that film. So no, I've never seen it. How can you never have watched Back to the Future? No, I won't say it. I won't say it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I'm thinking now you're sounding it, like everybody it. on Twitter who always asks what well, I've never seen Back to the Future. I'm, I'm thinking it. But the um they went to Huey Lewis, Huey Lewis, sorry, to, to come up with a song for the film, and he he wasn't really in favor of doing a movie. He's never really done a movie song before. He didn't really know how it was, you know, how different it might be. So he wasn't really that comfortable with it. Uh, they convinced him, and eventually um, the next song he wrote, basically, which had no bearing on the content of the film whatsoever, he just gave to them, and it was The Power of Love. And that was used, it's, it's used throughout the film. Uh, and um, he did write another song called Back in Time as well, which did, that was a closing credit, certainly of the first film. Um so he did write one at least. So maybe this writing songs for movies isn't so difficult. Um, but yeah, that was it. The Power of Love. And I do love Back to the Future, it must be said. And that, the, that start, you know, when he's late for school and he gets on his skateboard and Power of Love comes in. Great song. Now, here's a little story for you. Go on. When I left university, my very first job, because I was obviously unemployed because it was 1978, for about three months. Um, when I've got my first job, it was working for a little um, training and consulting firm in London. And the very, very first project that I got involved with as a callow 21-year-old youth uh, was working for DeLoreans in Belfast. So I oh, spent really? six months flying in and out of Belfast, sleeping in the Europa Lodge when the IRA weren't blowing it up every other week. Um, and um, working uh, and working at DeLoreans, so I watched them building them. So, um, that was one of the little exciting parts of my early career many, many years ago. Did you meet there Doc you Brown? That you, not that you'd know who mm. Doc Brown is, he's, he's, is he the bloke with the mad hair? Yes, oh, and I've just noticed on the message board, Shaggy just said, You've got to watch Back to the Future, <laughs> all three. So He's right. He's right. I can't believe. Oh, I've got two words to say to you. You haven't ever seen Back to the Future. 
great Scott. <laughs> Again, which probably won't mean a lot to you, but yeah, that's my next one. Okay, well done. Right, we're doing very well for time, aren't we? Three left, and um, and we've yeah. got uh, we've got a, quarter, a third of the podcast. Of time. So, yeah, yeah, we're, we're doing gone. we're doing well. Okay, so I, I have a love hate relationship with my number my number eight. Um, the soundtrack is so bad that it's good. Mm, um, promising. Um, the same can't be said for the film, which is absolutely bloody awful, in my personal opinion. And I thoroughly understand other people will go, no, it's brilliant. Um, <laughs> 1986, a <laughs> unbelievably big box office, 357 Point one million dollars at the box office. It's just got lyrics. This song, by the way. Um, no. Okay. Although Top, Top Gun or Dirty right. Okay. Gun, it's please. right. Okay. Stop. It's Top Gun. It is Top Gun. Okay. okay. Right. So, but I've chosen the theme. That's from Top Gun. No, the theme okay. from Top Gun, which is Harold Faltermeyer. So it's okay. that do 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 and then that screeching shredding guitar solo at the end of it, which is absolutely quintessentially hair metal mayhem 1980s rock. And it's well, okay, so here we go. The um here's the the um the quote about the soundtrack, okay. The album remains a qui- <laughs> this is so pompous. The album remains a quintessential artifact of the mid 1980s. It defines the bombastic melodramatic sound that dominated the charts of that era. And so on the soundtrack there is Cheap Trick, Kenny Loggins, Berlin, Loverboy, Marietta, all of which are very, very, very well-known songs. I mean, it must be one of the most well-known um, soundtrack albums of all time. I own it. I mean, you know, I, it's one of the soundtrack albums. I've only got three. It's one of them. Um, but the film's bloody awful. Um, uh, Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis and Val Kilmer. It's just really I just, everything. I hated everything about it. But it's a great soundtrack. So there we go. Well, I didn't mind the film, to be honest. I didn't mind it. If I think of Top Gun, I think of two songs. One, not Harold Voltermeyer, funnily enough. I I think of the big number one hit here. Take Your Breath Away. it was in America, by Berlin. Take Your Breath Away. Take My Breath Away. I think it was a love theme. Love theme. That's right. And Cheap Trick, which was love... um, now, which was Dancing with the Boys? Is that Kenny, Kenny Loggins? I can't no, uh, it's Kenny Loggins, uh, Danger Zone. It Danger Zone. Right. Kenny Loggins does yeah, Danger Zone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. Cheap Trick to um, the other one. And then and what's Danger... the Loverboy song? I can't remember. I can't remember. I've got, I've got it mixed up. Anyway, I mean, it's a brilliant soundtrack of its era. But, I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, when we, have, when we do this conversation, when we talk about the years and we do the kind of the rock stuff, well, yeah. I think we all agree that your know, music went off a cliff sometime in the mid 1980s, and this is very red- redolent of that whole music going off a cliff in the 1980s thing. I mean, it's so bad, it's good. But I hated the film. Oh. 
personally. The song, the song Danger Zone, uh, one thing I do know about the song Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins did record it. I think it, Brian Adams was asked to do the theme to Top Gun, but he turned it down. He didn't like the, um, what's the word, jingoism yeah, in well, the that's, movie. That's why I hate it. He didn't it. like it. Um, and, uh, yeah, Kenny Loggins did it. And but the, but the actual was, Top Gun theme, the actual Top Gun theme is Harold Faltermeyer. Okay. And that's the... I'll take, that's I'll the take your word for that. And there's, the, you know how in the 1980s there were all those really shockingly awful videos that went with the songs as well? So, you know, pick pick a song from the late 80s or early 90s and some of the videos were awful. I mean, Think November Rain by... Um, by um, Guns N' Roses as, as a classic of the genre. Um, but um, the, the Harold Faltermeyer Top Gun theme is basically a bloke playing guitar standing on the wing of an aeroplane in a hangar. Um, and he's got the full hair and he's got the spray on pants and he's, you know, doing the whole, just the, the shred metal thing. I mean, it's execrably bad, but it's great. And Shaggy says, Danger Zone and Playing With The Boys. It must be the other song. Yes, right. Playing with the boys. That was the one. Yeah. Okay, moving on from your favourite movie of all time, Top Gun. <laughs> Poor old goose, though, eh? Poor old goose. <clears throat> yeah, very sad. When when can you have spoilers? At what point? I mean, you know, films have been out for so long. Right, I'm going on to my next one. If I can manage to get through without coughing again. Um, 1973. 1973, and the songwriter and performer got back with George Martin. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, oh, really? Yeah. Har- Harry uh, Saltzman and Albert Broccoli. Ah, okay. Yeah, I know what Asked this is. him to yeah. write a song for the next James Bond, Bond film. Which um, was Live and Let Die. And was Live and Let Die. So he had to write a song called Live and Let Die. Right. And boy, did he write a song. So they gave him uh, the Ian Fleming book, which he read over all weekend. And um, that afternoon, or that the next afternoon, he'd written the song. And the following week, he'd recorded it as well. It was uh, recorded in their Red Rose Speedway sessions, but he never appeared on the album. Uh, well, he might have done it in America. I'm not sure, but he didn't hear anyway. Um, Isn't it on Band on the Run? Not here, certainly. Oh, what's it on? No. Is it not on a McCartney album? Oh, it's no, not, it's it's not it's, actually on an album. It's, right, on the it's, on the, hits. it's on the Greatest Hits album. Yeah, it's on Wings Greatest, I think it came yeah, out. Yeah, uh, It was nominated for uh, an Oscar for the Best Original Song, but lost out to... Another song, which I'll come on to because I've got that one in my list as well. Um, it was the first rock song to be a James Bond film. Now, we had the James Bond theme uh, music theme, a uh, James Bond theme th- uh, on off the record uh, many months ago. And, of course, Live and Let Die was my, my top one. Uh, nominated in 1974 for the Grammy for the Best Arrangement and Accompanying Vocal. Uh, it made number two in the US and it made number nine in the UK. Um, and what else is there to say? Uh, I think rather than Paul McCartney, I think Harry Saltzman, the other guy with Broccoli, the other guy who went producer, I assume, um, wanted either Shirley Bassey 
or a Thelma Houston to record the song. Mm-hmm. But Macca, as is Macca's way, um, said, you can only have the song if I can record it. And, and, and it's a great song. Oh, it's a brilliant song. And also, along with Skyfall, I think it's the best Bond movie. Jane Seymour's fantastic in it. And it's just it's just a really good story. Set in New Orleans, isn't it? So uh, It is. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, there's, there's a funeral at the start, isn't there? When, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's a great film. Yeah, I love it. The dart in the neck, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's classic, classic Bond. And another interesting award, if you like, um, was the uh, the song was placed on Clear Channel's list following the 9-11 attacks. Uh, Clear Channel's list of inappropriate song titles. Well, I'm not surprised, I suppose. He can win every award, can't he, old McCartney? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, he's pretty well done, everything. So you've managed to get the Beatles in several times now, haven't you? Well, go on, yeah, go for yes. Good job. No, 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 it's a good job I'm building up to yes then, isn't it? Anyway, um, right, so my penultimate one is... Give us your penultimate one or, or the one before last, whichever you... Oh, shall, I, shall I do that? Yeah, okay. go on. Yeah. You've frozen. Oh, no, you've moved again. Now. I'm back. Uh, right, so um, see if you get this one. You probably should. This, um, the, the soundtrack has been deemed the best movie soundtrack of all time. You've said that about a few, though, haven't you? No, but this, this, this isn't me. This is this is critics. Oh, okay. okay. It has been deemed the best movie soundtrack of all time, beating John Williams's Star Wars theme into second place. Okay. It was the classic FM winner for six straight years. Nothing else came close. Quote, complex musical scores with certain themes winding in and out of individual pieces to reinforce motifs and emotions. What year was it? Um, well, it was several movies and it was the early noughties. Oh. Now you want to tell me. Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, I must admit, man. I'm not a Lord of the Rings. I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, I must admit. Other but, views are welcome. I, I, wrong. I, wrong. I absolutely love it. It's my favourite book of all time. Uh, and uh, I absolutely love the films. And I think um, I think um, it's, a, it's a tour de force. But anyway, um, but the, 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 the theme, sorry, the, the music is written by Howard Shaw. Um, and he obviously, you know, did the music for the whole shooting match, all three films. Um, but I guess that the one which everybody knows um, is is a song called "In Dreams," and it is um, it, and it is the theme within "In Dreams," which then weaves its way through the whole thing and comes back in various different uh, formats across across the uh, across the trilogy um okay. but the actual song is called in dreams um but the um I've, I've got all three but i've got them on cassette and i don't have a cassette player that works anymore i've got to get mine fixed um so i can't actually play it at the moment i may have to resort to buying it on cd uh but it is um yeah it's a beautiful piece of music and i in absolutely dreams. love the bits so in yeah, dreams i just think of was by roy orbison 
early 60s. That was indeed a Roy Orbison song, but that's not the one. Not this one. We prefer. Because Roy Orbison and... What was the pity, of, I would guess? I would well, Roy, Roy Orbison and a bunch of elves doesn't really... They don't go together, do they? Let's no, I suppose not. But There's dressing there, up in... No juxtaposition there. Silly costumes and funny ears. Hairy, I mean, it's not, it's not big. It's not clever. Um, well, no, I've never we'll, been... We'll agree, to, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Now, funnily enough... Of the two, I don't mind the Harry Potter uh, series, funnily enough. Well, I can't stand the Harry Potter films. Lord of the Rings. There we go. I like Harry Potter. I just feel it's a bit more amusing. No, Um, Harry Potter. In Dreams. It's it's listed. In Dreams by Howard Shaw from Lord of the Rings. Okay, so how many more have I got left? Two as well? Two and I've got one. Okay. Um, Right, I might as well go for this one. This is the other one that I mentioned that beat Live and Let Die. Um, now again, it was a 1973 film, as was Live and Let Die. Um, co written by Marvin Hamlish, again, as we said, great songwriter. Brilliant. Um, this is not very hip, maybe, to like this song or even by this artist. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of this artist by any stretch of the imagination, but the song's impact. Um, I think probably revived her career. Um, it won two Academy Awards, the song, um, the best original score, which went to Marvin Hamlish, uh, and song of the year. It got a Grammy in 1975. The songwriters Marvin Hamlish and Alan Bergman and Marilyn Bergman. The this film featured the singer as the main actress, along with Robert Redford. Again, it's the third film that he's been in that I've mentioned. Are you a fan? Film, yeah, Robert Redford's fans, yeah, Robert Redford films, yeah, can't argue. Um, and it's the way we were. Was that? Didn't Diana Ross do that? No, well, she might have done. But I'm thinking of uh, Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand, that's right. No, it wasn't. Yeah, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, yeah, she's got a great voice. Love Barbara Streisand's voice. Beautiful Babs. As Norman Stanley Fletcher in Porridge used to say about one of the dancers in Pan's People, didn't he? Oh, Oh, beautiful Babs. Beautiful Babs. Um, Yeah, forget her name. um, Um, Babs No, about, yeah, anyway. Um, Now, hang on a minute. Right, so she was also in um, A Star is Born, wasn't she, with Chris Christopherson? She was. She right. was, yeah. No, she's got a great voice. Yeah, I, th- I think I have. I think seen it's an absolute classic song. But I think anything that Marvin Hamlish writes, yeah, no, is he gonna is be a great man. song. You might not like, like the musical style or even no, Bob Dylan. No, I think it's. I mean, but no, I think it's, it's an absolutely, absolutely brilliant song. Yeah, it is. There was yeah. a problem initially, actually, um, between Bob Dylan and Marvin Hamlish because she wanted the song in a minor key. Um, but instead, he wrote it in a major key uh, due to, I quote, his fear of the song's lyrics being revealed too quickly. Did they have a major argument about that? They might have had a major. It might have been a minor. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Was it, but was it a major argument or a minor spat? I mean, you know. Oh, it could be one things, of the two. One of the two. But the, the lyrics are just great. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful song. Mem- memories light the corners of my mind. Misty watercolour memories of the way we were. Yeah. Memories may be beautiful, and yet what's too painful to remember, we quickly 
choose to forget. Yeah. If we ever had the chance to do it all again, tell me, would we? Could we? Great song. Yeah, that's yeah, gorgeous song. And, and it was, I, I have definitely seen the film. I don't think I've seen it more than once. I mean, but, it's not a status quo or the Sex Pistols, but it's a great song. Well, and, um, you know, many would argue that, that was a good All thing. All the better. <laughs> clearly, not, clearly not you. Um, no. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So finally, on to well, your final of your 10 anyway. Right, well, the final of my 10, which is my number one. So I've kind of... I've there we go, I've yes. Last. Um, well, okay, so, but I, I promise you, I did not know this. So the film, and, uh, you know, I'll come straight out because I've talked about it before. So the film is Remember the Titans which is a 2001 film, so very modern, starring Denzel Washington, Will Patton, early Ryan Gosling, before he was famous, mm. and Hayden Panettiere, who was in Heroes, which if you saw that on BBC Two, was a... Very good series, or well, the very the first series was brilliant. Oh, it went down the toilet after that, but um, and she was kind of the um, save the cheerleader, save the world. Um, and um, but in the Titans, she's basically a kid, a little girl. And um, it is um, it's an American football movie. It's about the um, it's about the Titans who were a high school football team, and it was set in the days of busing. Uh, in Virginia, when um, the black kids were busting into white schools and the white kids were busting into black schools, um, and the two US team, No, this is a true story. Oh, um, right. Yeah, it's a true story, um, and um, it's it's got everything that you want in a. It's not a plucky underdog movie, but you kind of you you want what ends up happening to happen that that they end up winning the high school equivalent. Super Bowl, um, or sorry, then then they go to the final thing and they, they end up losing They're the second best team in the room. You don't see that bit, okay. um, but then it's you know it's triumph and tragedy. One of the main people in it um, uh, ends up being in a car accident, and so he watches the final from his hospital bed. And it's all you know, it, it's it's very emotional. But I've said several times before, it has just got an absolutely brilliant, brilliant soundtrack, including. Um, the um, Marvin Gaye and um, uh, Tim Weston, uh, Donna Ross. Uh, no, we talked about it last time. It's um, and Tammy Terrell. Um, oh, Tammy Terrell, yeah, 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 yeah. I know enough. Um, and and that so that, that's in it as well. And it's just the the, the soundtrack is faultless. It kind of all, all the different points in the film, they they just choose exactly the right song from the era because it's set in the early 70s, to met, to match what the film's about. Um, and it's just a great movie. But the, 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 um, the soundtrack, the actual the theme, is called Titan's Spirit. Okay? And it is a soaringly wonderful piece of music. And if you listen to nothing else that I've mentioned on this podcast tonight, listen to Titan's Spirit. It is brilliant. By. It is written by a South African who is a prolific quote unquote film composer who has scored 40 plus movies most frequently, as in the case of Remember the Titans, with Jerry Bruckheimer. 
Okay. But most importantly of all, yeah, be he was the guitarist in Yes from 1983 to 1995, including appearing on 90125, their biggest album, with Owner of a Lonely Heart on it. And also since 2016 in ARW, Anderson, Rabin and Wakeman. It is Trevor Rabin. So Trevor Rabin wrote the Titan Spirit score. Now, I did not know that. I promise when I chose it, I just love the piece of music. And when I was doing the research, I thought, I cannot believe I've managed to get Yes into a film thing. I'm so happy about this because I knew you'd find a way of getting the Beatles in. Yeah. So I believe you. Thousands wouldn't. But you, but that piece of music, Titan Spirit, listen to it on Spotify. It's absolutely brilliant. And that's okay. me. That's you done. All right. Well, I, I don't want to disappoint you then. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're going to go with help, aren't you? I had to. I had to. Oh, I had to. I'm going to have to. I had two or three down here, but now you've put yes in there or a, a tenuous link. This isn't tenuous in the slightest. Um, it's not help. It's not help. It's the other one. Um, the title oh, track, The Hard Day's Night. Yeah, their first um, sound, their first the soundtrack from their first um, film and the third, their third album title track. Uh, it was a song that was number one in the UK and in the US by the Beatles uh, for two weeks simultaneously. That was the first time any artist had done that. Yet another first for the Beatles, of course. Um, at the title, it was recorded after they'd already pr pretty much filmed the, the movie. Right. Uh, towards the end, they hadn't, he hadn't got a song. They'd, obviously, he'd written a lot of songs for the film. Lennon was prolific at that time. McCartney sort of took a, a bit of a back seat. Yeah. Probably sitting on it with Jane Asher. Um, but he was, he, he really took to the foot. He, he really was there and wrote so many songs did Lennon at that time and he went home and it was from a, allegedly like one of Ringo's little malapropisms, you know, like eight days a week, uh, nonsensical things. And it was after a day of filming of hard days night one day they, they went out and he walked out and it already turned dark and he walked out and he said, oh, that was a hard day. And then he paused and he goes, night. Uh, and that is how, uh, Lennon then went home and he wrote the song Hard Day's Night, which of course he sang, yeah. apart from the bridge, which McCartney sang because it was too high for Lennon to do. Um, the opening chord, of course, is very memorable. I mean, it's so recognizable, Absolutely. whatever it might be. There were so many different versions of it. Yeah. F add nine seems to be the most popular one, but I've got another one here G7 add nine sus four if that means anything to you or any guitarist out there. Vaguely, uh, but I wouldn't know how to play The solo was uh, George Harrison on his Rickenbacker, 12-string Rickenbacker, uh, with George Martin doubling on the piano, uh, which re recorded to tape at half speed, and then this, it was sped up to normal. Uh, and George Harrison finishes the song, fades out, playing arpeggio, the opening chord, which yeah. again, what was it? It's a great um, song. Yeah, it was. It's a 
great, it's a great song in its own right, never mind the fact that it fits into the film beautifully. So, uh, Time magazine called it one of the hundred greatest ever films. Two Oscar nominations. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that, actually, off the Beatles It was the first, the very first. And I liked liked Hard Day's Night. On balance, I'd probably choose Hard Day's Night. Yeah, Help Help was a bit more of a story to it, I think, didn't it? Yeah, Hard Day's Night was, yeah. Hard Day's Night was a good, it was was fun. And they they were, you know, high most of the time, I think, when they were doing Help, when they went over to the Bahamas, wherever it was, to record that. Um, Hard Day's Night was the very first... More of a, a rockumentary, probably one of the first ever. Again, another first for the Fabs. The so I had to put certainly since you put in yes, I well, had to put in a hard day's night. But I, I promise you, I swear I did not do that deliberately. I just when I looked at it, I just thought, oh, this is brilliant. I cannot believe this has happened. I was help, so happy. Of course, help, of course, is also a great song, but I, I think this hard day's night was my first ever, yeah. first ever yeah. album that I owned. I was bought uh, well, four. Yes, I was only about four or five years old. And that's it. I had another one here, which I, I hate the movie, dislike it completely. Um, yeah, tell me what your really, shout-outs are. Just give us your shout-outs. Well, I've got one here from, um, as I said, I think this is one of them, but I've left it off. It, the film was Electric Dreams, which was 1984. Uh, yeah. And I've seen it. it great song. Giorgio Moroder yeah, um, and Phil Oakey. Yeah, done. But, but, Together in Electric Dreams. I mean, it out, overshadows it, the film completely. I mean, the no, film was no, like no. an attempt at recreating Flashdance, I think, from the year before, which yeah. Giorgio Moroder also um, scored. Hit, yeah, with his electronic music. But is um, He also co wrote Danger Zone, funny enough, going back to Top Gun. To, um, that's on the Human League Greatest Hits album, isn't it? It is so, because it's it's often confused as being a Human League song, but, but it's not. Is it? It's basically no, it's just not. Phil Oakley. Yeah, I it's it just it's Phil Oakey and Giorgio yeah. Moroder. Yeah, it's just Phil Oakey. Um, again, one of these interesting things is it's only one take recorded. That was only one. Um, Oakey didn't like the one. He wanted another one uh, because he thought the first one was just like a demo, really. They did a second one, but apparently the first one was the one that was released, mm-hmm. and it's together in Electric Dream. Um, oh, I've got so many shout-outs. I could, I could list some. I've, got, um, I've just got the, the other three that I was going to include. I've got Easy Rider. Oh, which, of course. Um, yeah. As a film, hasn't stood the test of time, but the obviously the title track and, you know, has. Um, I've got Sound of Music, first film I ever saw in the cinema, Regal Edmonton yes. with me mum, 1965. I love that film. Uh, Huh? I love that film. Yeah, it's, it's it's clever. It's, it's, it's a great it's good, film. It's it's a good film. Um, and then the other one, which is instantly recognisable, Julian Banjo's out of Deliverance. Oh, right, of course, yeah, yeah. So they were the, they were the other three. Which if you doubled up on any of mine, I was going to chuck in. <laughs> Easy Rider is um, Born to Be Wild. Yeah, was that Born to Be Wild? Or was that another film? Um, yeah, no, Born to Be Wild's in it, and, so, and and Easy Rider, the actual the actual track actual song. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I've got Easy Rider and I watched it a few months ago. It absolutely does not stand the test of time. You know, some films from the 60s do. Um, that doesn't. It's you look, you, re, you look at it now and you go, blimey, really? This is really clunky. But, um, you know. Another one that just missed the cut was uh, Harry Nielsen with um, 
Everybody's talking from Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, Midnight Cowboy. That's a good film, isn't it? Great film. Um, that's, that's, and, and, that's another Dustin Hoffman, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, is it Dustin Hoffman and John? Yeah. Is it John Voigt? John Voigt. John Voigt, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Springsteen, I've got down as nearly making it. And that was Streets of Philadelphia. Um, yeah, it's a film. beautiful song. I've never, yeah, I haven't seen the film, but it's a great the song. The film is great as well, Philadelphia, with yeah. uh, Tom Hanks and Denzel yeah. Washington. Um, yeah. But actually, I, I didn't put Streets of Philadelphia in um, because actually I prefer Neil Young's theme called Philadelphia which sort of played out the end of the movie right. when he'd already again spoiler alert when he actually died and it was like the remember memorial with all the pictures of his stuff uh, around his house um LA Times called it this is Streets of Philadelphia um, which you know I don't know if it's a big sell a moving ballad about a man whose body is being destroyed by AIDS it's not exactly, uh, you know, but it was a. It yeah, was that a doesn't make you want to rush out and buy it, does it? It really? doesn't. And one other briefly, um, which I haven't included, which again was Giorgio Moroder, and it was a great film, seventy-eight, uh, involving a Turkish prison. Oh, Midnight Express. Midnight Express. Great film. Great, great film with yeah, John Hurt, and yeah, I forget super, the main character in it. Timothy, something or other. I can't remember really, but but uh, the actual theme from Midnight Express, um, Giorgio Moroder, yeah, was brilliant. Film. When it when that the was film one of those films. Out. That was one of the one films like The Deer Hunter, where you went and watched it in the cinema, and you came out and you couldn't really talk afterwards because it was so shocking. Yeah, yeah, but The Deer Hunter's a good film. Cavatina, that was a good song too. Yeah. Well, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you not got any more, I'll just run through a few of these others. That's no, 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 Um. Okay. Barbie, I've just noticed, says Lord of the Rings just isn't for me. Good old Barbie. And also, Harry Potter is great. So that's 2 1. Oh, we no, win. It's not. You just basically are deluded because Harry Potter is a children's book and I can't believe adults read it. There we go. Ooh. I said it. Ooh. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's quickly run through these. Um, Clive has given me a bunch here. Um, some from him, some from his uh, wife. Um, and he's giving me the films in brackets. There's Moondance, Van Morrison from American World from London. Yeah. Okay. See, a lot of these songs, yeah, they were in the films, but I mean, I think of Van Morrison, Moondance. I don't necessarily think of that film. In fact, I remember no. Moondance being in a Julia Roberts film, Sleeping with the Enemy. That was a good film. Um, oh, Christopher Cross, Arthur's theme, best that you can do from Arthur. Oh, yeah, that's from, yeah, Arthur. Yeah, that's good. Dudley Moore. Uh, Green Onions, Booger T and the MGs, Quadrophenia. Purple Rain, of course. What was that in? What was Purple Rain in? Hmm. Uh, I think it might have been Purple Rain. Is that a film? Yes. Never seen it. Eye of the Tiger. Oh, yeah, from the Rocky. From yeah. Rocky. I don't know which Rocky it was. Which Rocky was it? Two or three. I don't know. Oh, um, oh I love this one. I could have had this one himself from uh, The Jungle Book. Louis Prima, I Want to Be Like You. Now, strangely, The Jungle Book is a film that I watched three times back to back in the cinema in Hull. 
because it was on and it was freezing cold and snowing and we went to watch it and it was still freezing cold and snowing so we paid and watched again and then we watched I watched it three times back to back good or it's a great time. song I, I love that it's sort of sound song. that uh, sort of jump jive whatever music yeah, it's is fantastic it's a great song uh, Pinball Wizard The Who was in Quadrophenia hold on Wilson Phillips no 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 Pinball Wizard was in Tommy yeah I thought it was in Tommy it was in Tommy in the film Tommy with because um, that was the one with uh Tina Turner playing the Acid Queen and Elton John playing the Pinball Wizard. Indeed, well, it's yeah. not as good as uh, it's not as good as um, yeah, Pinball Wizard. Pinball Wizard by Elton John was certainly in Tommy. I don't know. Was was Quadrophenia? Was Pinball Wizard featured in that? By the who? I don't know. Anyway, hold on. Wilson Phillips from Bridesmaids and Andy Williams for The Godfather. Speak softly, love. Love thing from The Godfather. Yeah. Um, now some of these. You and I probably haven't heard of. Um, Katrina's given me, I don't think you're going to like this one, from The Bodyguard. I would always love you, Whitney Houston. Well, I love Whitney Houston's voice. She's a brilliant singer, but um, I didn't like the film. Born to be Wild, Steppenwolf from Easy Rider. We mentioned that. Lose Yourself, Eminem from 8 Mile. Kiss from a Rose for Seal, and that's uh, Batman Forever. I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. That's in and that's from Armageddon. Yeah, terrible movie, but fun. I mean, um, so it's good. You could never hold back. Spring by Tom Waits in the Tiger and the Snow. Just one from Annie. Don't you forget about me by Simple Minds from the Breakfast Club. That's a good film. Well, Shaggy's given me a film, Eddie and the Cruisers, um, and the song I've got down is On the Dark Side by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. It's a film that I'm going to have to look out for, as I told him. Um, no, I hadn't. I hadn't. I hadn't either. Uh, what else have we got? Katrina, uh, Shaggy. Well, we've got Becca and Barbie. There you go. What we got here? Becca. Repo Man, Iggy Pop. It's three from the film Repo Man, Iggy Pop singing the title song Modern Lovers singing Pablo Picasso and Circle Jerks with When the Shit Hits the Fan <laughs> um, now Heaven on Their Minds do you know this one? Heaven on Their Minds that's Jesus Christ Superstar yes and it's got, I've got Andrew Lloyd Webber that was yeah, one of your favourite yeah. well, that's, uh, that's albums uh, yeah, from but, 1971 um, wasn't it? Or was it nineteen? Yeah, no, yeah, nineteen seventy. Too much heaven on their minds. But the, but the, the movie. So that was that from that was from the movie that was made with the tanks in the desert. It was kind of an uprated. It was an updated version of possibly. Honestly, film. I'm not yeah. really sure. Not really sure. Uh, Riders on the storm by the Doors from the Doors. Um, Miglio Stasera by Fran Jeffries. This is from the original Pink Panther. Okay. I bet that's not the. Do, 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 do. No, uh, I think. Uh, Sandpipers come Saturday morning from the uh, the sterile cuckoo. Um, country song by Gwyneth Paltrow, and that's from the film Country Strong, and eating the peach, which is basically the cast of James and the Giant Peach. Yes. And I can't read my writing for the last one. Now, Barbie's given me one blood. Terence J from Green Street Hooligans. Down in, these are in order as well. Number nine, Down in Mexico, The Coasters from Death Proof. Eight, Riders on the Storm, The Doors from The Doors. Seven, Love Fool by The Cardigans from Romeo and Juliet. 
Wanted Dead or Alive, two-pack Snoop Dogg from Gridlocked. As you said earlier, we are more hip-hop than hip-hop, aren't we? Um, now, this one I can't even think about pronouncing because it's in Russian, but translated, it's Wild Man, and it's by someone called Leningrad, and it's from Everything is Illuminated. The Witch's Song by Juliana Hatfield from The Craft, Through the Roof and Underground, Gogol Bordello from Wrist Cutters, A Love Story. I think Tom Waits might have appeared in that film, actually. I may be wrong. And to, oh, and to lose out to a, My Girl, The Temptations, she's got a number two, From My Girl. And number one, Lose Yourself, Eminem. She must really like that to beat My Girl, because I know she's a big fan of My Girl. See, My Girl, it's been around for so long. Um, I wouldn't necessarily associate with the film, but there it is. And finally, we have last, but by no means least, Graham. We have Perfect Day, Lou Reed from Trainspotting. BJ Thomas, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Big up for that one. Butch Cassidy. Night Fever, the Bee Gees. Big up to you for that one. Certainly Night Fever. Everybody's Talking by Nielsen, Midnight Cowboy. We mentioned that one as well. Mrs. Robinson, Simon and Garfunkel, The Graduate. You Can't Always Get What You Want, Rolling Stones from A Big Chill. Rags to Riches, Tony Bennett from Goodfellas. Uh, Mickey's Monkey by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles from Mean Streets. The Pilgrim, Chris Christopherson from Taxi Driver. Uh, I Guess the Lord Must Be in New York City by Harry Nielsen, from, also from Midnight Cowboy. And Be My Baby by the Ronettes from Mean Streets. And even worse than me, he said, basically any song from A Hard Day's Night or Help. So <laughs> that wasn't that's me that said that. that was, yeah. That's cheating, yeah. Well, it's half a, that's probably a whole album's worth, actually, because the second half of those albums, side two, as we call it in the trade, uh, were not, they were non-soundtrack songs. So, uh, right, I think we've done them all now, haven't we? We have. We're still so there's a lot. You had, you had, a, you, you really went for the themes, didn't you? I did. I, I, I guess mine have been more um, um, commercial. Is that the right? Maybe the right I, word. Commercial. I just went with the, the kind of things that are vaguely orchestral and and, and that sort of sound because that's sort what of prog rock like. Really prog rock like. That's why I got into prog. You know, so. Yeah. There's a theme there, you know. I, I'm bored, nothing if not boringly predictable. Anyway, uh, before I can go off and cough a few more times, um, this podcast will be posted to Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker. Uh, it'll be on the Off the Record Facebook page and the CBW Productions Facebook page. Also, be on the website, CBW Productions website. Don't forget to tune in CBW Radio. Uh, you, it's the only radio station you'll ever need. Uh, and of course, as Slim Nick might say, eventually we'll be on the BBC. BBC. That's if the BBC exists, of course. That's true. Yeah, it'll probably be yeah. disintegrated by uh, by that point. Um, and again, thanks, Pete, uh, for oh, joining me fun. tonight for the, uh, for the themes. And uh, all I've got left to say is it's a good night from me, and it's a good night from him. Not, Not off. off.